My guest today is Angie Balderas, a talented radio and digital marketing executive, wife, mom, grandma, and senior vice president of Intravision Communications, a leading digital media company focused on reaching Hispanic and mainstream customers. Today, we talk about what it is like to grow up as a Latina in a pretty conservative and traditional family and breaking into the radio business at age 16 when she just showed up and asked for a job and how caring about your clients, listening to your clients and advocating for their needs is the best way to have success on Hispanic radio and beyond. Angie, thank you for flying to Seattle, not necessarily for the podcast, but I'm more than willing to take your time while you're here. So I appreciate you. you joining us. Thanks. I always like to start getting to know people from the beginning. If you could just tell me about yourself, where you're from, what your childhood was like, I'd love to get to know Angie as a full person. Okay. Well, I grew up in a small town outside of Sacramento, Lincoln, California, population 3,500. Wow. But we're like 50,000 now. It's like 30 miles outside of Sacramento. Typical Latino family, three kids. I'm the oldest of three. I have a brother who's four years younger than I, and then I have a sister who's seven years younger than I. Our weekends were always going out somewhere to Mm -hmm. the flea market. We call it el remate. We'd go to the remate, and my dad would take us, and he'd buy my brother and I a Texas-sized donut and a thing of milk. (laughs) Or we'd go to Kmart. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah, Kmart. Yeah, I remember okay, Kmart. Kmart. Okay, yeah, so we'd sure. go to Kmart was our weekend thing. And so my mom would let us go look at the toys. and, and They had those little, like, merry-go-rounds out yes. front where you needed the coin to operate it. Yes, yes, I remember. So every week it was one of our turns. So she would. that's how she <laughs> bought clothes. She would put them on layaway. She'd make her little yes. payments. And then we'd get our icy or our little submarine sandwich or whatever on the way out. We were poor, but we weren't dirt poor. I mean, I still went to Disneyland as a kid, maybe not the way that my kids or my grandkids went. You know, we mm-hmm. piled in the car, had one meal at Denny's, and then my mom would say, don't ask for anything at the park. <laughs> make sure you guys eat good. We're not eating until we get back, yep. you know, that type of thing. So my dad was a musician, not a full-time musician, but was okay. a musician. So he was always playing in the band Friday we went to a lot of weddings, a lot of dances, just music was always part of my life. Yeah. And so that was pretty much my childhood. That's my childhood. I yeah. love it. So your dad was musical. Were you yeah. musical? You know what? It's funny that you say that because I was just talking to my kids. I'm the only one that actually played in a marching band. We were watching college football in the marching mm. bands and stuff. And my husband mentioned to one of my kids, your mom used to play in the high school band. They looked at me like, what? <laughs> so I did. I did play. So you work in radio now. Uh-huh. Well, do you consider yourself working in radio or sales or both? Both. Okay. How do you get started in a career in radio? Or how did you get started? Okay. I was always kind of an impatient kid. So when I was in high school, I was kind of bored with high school and I got out early when mm-hmm. I was 16 years old. I oh, wow. took a test in California. You can do that. It was called Certificate of Proficiency. It's basically say. You're an equivalent to a high school diploma. And with that, you could go on to junior college. So I did that at 16 years old. Wow. So I grew up in a very sheltered Mexican family. Mm. Okay. So my mom would make my lunch and she'd give me 25 cents. So so I would drive to college, which was down the road. And it was a kind of a dangerous. And I used to have to call her. Okay, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. You know. Yeah. So my first day at school in college I was done at 12 noon. Like, 
what am I going to do with the rest of my day? Yeah. I was really naive. I didn't know about that you have labs and all this other crap. So I was like, maybe I should get a job. So my mom was born in Mexico, but she came to the U.S. as an Mm eight-year-old. And so she basically grew up in the States, but always wanted us to learn Spanish. So we went to mass in Spanish. We listened to Spanish radio. We watched Mm. Spanish TV. We spoke Spanish in the home. Although she speaks fluent English and probably Mm -hmm. speaks more English than Spanish, but that's what we did. Anyways, I got in the car and I turned on my car and the Spanish radio station turned on. And I'm like, that's just down the street. I'm going to go over and I'm going to tell them I want to work. So I walked in. Wait, 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 wait. This is at 16 years old? Yes. My That's first, amazing. My first day in college, too. So it's like I drive over to the radio <laughs> station. It's lunchtime. Nobody's there. The DJ comes out of his booth. And I said, oh, I came to apply for a job. And he says, well, what kind of job were you looking for? And I said, well, an on-air job. He says, well, do you have any experience? And I go, <laughs> no, but I know I can do it. I was very naive. And so I went in and... He said, well, you're going to need to know how to do this. If you come when I get off work at 7, I'll teach you how to become a DJ. Now, I'm 16 years old, so I go back home and I tell my mom. And my mom goes, you're crazy. You're not not going back there. But if you really want to do it, I'll only let you go if you take a bunch of your friends. So I hauled all my friends and we went back. Wow. And so he started showing me how back then there were vinyl records and he showed me how to do it. And anyways, I did it a couple of times. And then he said, you know what? You need to write some commercials. My mom was an OG tiger mom, you know, uh-huh. sink or swim. And so she said, if you learn to type, you will never starve. So I went back to the station in the middle of the day and I showed him what I had done. And he goes, oh, no, change this. And I said, well, can I use a typewriter? And it was actually an old typewriter. Mm-hmm. And I'm typing. And the GM walks by. And he's like, who's she? <laughs> what is she doing? Who is this child? Yes. <laughs> typing. He, no, yes. and they didn't know yeah. I was 16 because I used to, like, wear makeup. Oh, okay. I always looked older. The Finding out that I was underage, that comes later, <laughs> right? So he says, she can't do that. She's got to be an intern. We're going to get in trouble, you know, blah, 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 sure. blah. So I run back to school. It was the last day to add classes. So I added an internship at the station. When I came back, I met with the operations manager. He says, well, what are you studying in college? I said, I'm studying to be a secretarial student because that's what my mom wanted me to do. Uh-huh. He says, oh, you know how to type? And I go, yes. He goes, you know how to file? Yes. And that was the end of my on-air days right oh. then and there because I became part of the office team. And I learned more of the operation side of the radio station. Was that disappointing to you or at that point you just wanted any opportunity? It wasn't disappointing. I was still involved in the radio station. Mm-hmm. Um I kind of like fell into it, if uh-huh. you will. I really did. I think now if somebody wants to get into uh, radio, audio, media, things, the first thing is you cannot be a single task or, or talent person. You have to be multi-talented. Mm. You have to be able to do different things. It's always been like that, but more so now. You have to know how to video edit. You need to audio edit. You need to know graphics. If you're going to be on the talent side, On-air personalities, they used to say, they do their four and they're out the door. That Mm -hmm. does not exist in radio anymore. And I can only imagine that it continues to evolve. Like, I'm just imagining from my perspective, trying to keep up on all the new media. Oh, yeah. But it seems like in the Latino community that 
radio is a mainstay, or it's a pretty still powerful medium of communication, Spanish language radio in particular. Do you see that? I see it. It's diversifying, right? Okay. As you know, podcasts continue to grow and mm-hmm. streaming audio continues to grow. But what they call terrestrial radio, traditional radio, uh-huh. is still pretty strong. It is the connection that on-air announcer has with that audience. If you think about it, it is the intimacy of audio. I mean, radio is very intimate. And so the best example, even though I don't agree with his politics, but I heard Glenn Beck give this example, Mm -hmm. and I think it is true. If I said to you, imagine yourself Christmas morning at your grandma's house, close your eyes, and you're there. And as she opens the oven, the smells that come out. The thing about radio is the smell in your mind is different from the smell in my mind to the difference to everybody. Everybody gets to make their own imagery. It is truly theater of the mind. And really good radio is really good storytelling. I love that. Theater of the the mind. mind. I'm writing it down. I like it. Okay. Well, in 2021, you were named to Radio Inc. 100 Most Influential Women in Radio. Yes. That's pretty badass. Yeah. Is that something you worked towards? Was it a surprise? Tell me about it. So Radio Inc. started recognizing women in radio, I think it was maybe 15 years ago, and they came out first of was the 50 most influential women in radio. Mm-hmm. And so I've actually been nominated a few years in that. I didn't work for it. I, you know, people have to nominate you. And then a few years ago, I was fortunate to be on the cover of Radio Inc. And they did a little story on me for what they call the MIW. I'm impressed. That's cool. Yeah, it was great recognition. I think one of the things that um, was, you know, my family was very proud. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I feel you. I can tell how hard that you've worked for that moment. And what it meant. You know, my aunt called me and she said, my dad would have been so proud of you. Oh, I mean, that just shows like we never do anything alone. I think right. There's such a fallacy that we alone by our own merits have arrived at this moment. I've come to realize that somebody has to help you. Mm. Somebody has to open the door for you. Right. Yeah. Always. And. Here's the thing. When somebody opens the door, you have to have the guts to walk through it. Because, you know, I've seen a lot of people where doors are open to them and they don't take advantage of them. They don't walk through it. You have to have the guts to walk through that door that somebody has either opened for you, pried open for you, opened a little crack, right? Yes. I want to talk a little bit about your Mentoring and Inspiring Women in Radio program. Back when Radio Inc. first did the 50 most influential women in radio, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of women who were on that list decided to flip the script of that name and mm-hmm. call it Mentoring and Inspiring Women. And so they created kind of like this loose organization. And it was really to help pay it forward. So a lot of women who went before me, and a lot of those women have opened doors for me, mm-hmm. okay, have provided mentorship. And so in our industry gatherings, there was always this meeting of the titans of industry, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it was steak, cigars, and scotch. Well, there were no women invited to this famous dinner. Wow. 
And so they created their own dinner, and it was called Lipstick and Lobster. And so <laughs> we still have that dinner. It's always held the same time as this titan of industry dinner is. And the MIW dinner has become very popular. We probably get about 150 people. It's probably 90% women. We have some men that attend, but it has become like the hot ticket. That's not the organization. That's just one of the events. But Mm -hmm. part of that is they created a mentoring program. And so if you're a woman in the business and you've been in at least five years and you want to get into senior management, you are then paired with a mentor. And it's a one-year mentorship program. Mm -hmm. And so I was fortunate a couple years ago to mentor somebody who was and is in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we would talk every couple weeks, like at 730 in the morning. And I'd say, okay, Andrea, you got 30 minutes till I get to the office. I'm all yours, you know. And even though after, she'll still say, hey, do you got, you know, 20 minutes for me? And so we just bounce off ideas. It's really been an excellent experience. I was fortunate a couple years ago to be asked to be on the executive board. And so I'm in, surprise, surprise, the sponsorship committee. Oh, hey. (laughs) I bet you're very successful in that role. You know, I I ask for money. I ask for money for a living, you know. So it's like, yeah. You're used to it. I'm used to it. So. I would love to hear where you see yourself kind of making a difference through your work and what doors you've had to kick. I'm guessing that you've had to kick some doors to get to what you get to do today. I think for females of color, it's just we just have to work harder all the time. We just Mm -hmm. always do. I mean, we don't get a pass. Right. We just don't get a pass. So it's always we have to work harder. We have to outwork everybody. And yeah. sometimes people think, I, and I'm sure this happens to you, the, like, so I owned a radio station uh, about 20 years ago with two partners. And at the time that I started the radio station, there were two other minority women who had started radio stations in Sacramento and had failed. Okay, They had their stations taken away from their, from their lenders. So when I came on, it was that much more difficult because there were already these other two who had failed, right? Right. So that's a burden I, you're yeah, putting I'm on car- your shoulder. Right. And yeah. so people are like, oh, my God, well, you're, you know, you're a Latina and you're a woman. You know, banks are just going to throw money to you. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. You know, it's like people just think, oh, yes, I'm going to walk into the bank. And it's like, oh, here you go. You know, I here's. always think, they, yes. Right. Do they tell you that? And it's like, what well, the heck? It's their own PR campaigns, right? Yeah. Like the banks are saying that about themselves. Right. But we experience something a bit different. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're best indoors every day. I guess I, I can't tell you anything like big, but we're just always either sinking or swimming. But. Even when we're having the conversation with a client, it is having the ability, and because we're in the business, right? We have to do it in a nice way of calling clients out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. We have to do it with some, you know, grace and a smile and tact. And tact. Uh-huh. It's just like, you know. But I guess it's hard for me to imagine with all the data, purchasing power, family size, growth, like a percentage of community, like you would think that selling the Latino market would be easier because we're backed by data, but it doesn't sound like that's what you're experiencing. 
obviously, I'm in the business of selling the Latino market, right? Mm-hmm. The potential. That is always door busting. Because even with clients that say they want to be involved in the community, their investments don't reflect that, right? Sure. Yeah. Put your money where your mouth is. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Sounds familiar. Right. Yes. So... It's not everybody. I mean, the smart business people, I will tell you, sometimes it's easier to deal with a small business owner Mm -hmm. because they see it. You know, they're very... They're closer to their their end customer. Yes, they 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 are. Then sometimes some of these larger corporate structures. That's just the reality of what we deal with. I mean, I'll give you a good example. We did a deep analysis and it was kind of shocking, but like for the first six months in Sacramento... Grocery stores spent $1.8 million in radio advertising in the marketplace. Wow. Do you know how much they spent on Spanish radio? Take a guess. I know you ain't going like to figure it out. 1% or something. $3,000. $3,000? $3,000. Yes. $3,000. So uh, here's the thing. Latinos have bigger families. They have bigger right. purchases, What? whatever. So yeah. anyways... That's just an example. But, you know, it keeps it interesting. It's never boring. I will tell you that about radio. (laughs) It's never boring. I never know when I'm going to walk into any given day. I mean, really, I don't. Right. No, I'm... Yeah, I feel that. I feel that as a business owner. Yeah, I have no clue. I have no clue. I have no clue. One thing is that's kind of interesting with clients is that, especially if they're dipping their toe, they're, like, really sensitive of not offending people. Like mm-hmm. the big like thing is I don't want to get off, I don't want to get derailed on this no, but go, like go down this rabbit hole. Okay, Latinx. Yes. Do we have to call it Latinx and it's like yeah it's like oh my gosh. So mm-hmm. we had a whole conversation on the plane about about this. Me personally, I don't know anybody who uses the term. Like me personally, but I'm not saying that it shouldn't be used, but I'm just say, saying so I see that clients sometimes are very hesitant, and so it's my job to make them comfortable. And what about agencies? Like, any tips you have for agencies who want to work with Spanish language media, who come to you? Like, we're, you know, we're a relatively small agency. Right. Not everybody is versed in working with Spanish language radio or radio per se. What makes an agency really good at working with you? I would say, this is going to shock you. I would say that the first thing is actually care about your client. I think we I think we have that one. Okay. Actually care about your client. And when okay. I say that, it's really understanding what the client is trying to achieve. They'll say, can you just translate our script in English? And probably 50% of the times translation is going to be fine. You can, you know, do some cultural adaptation to the script and it works. And sometimes it just doesn't. Sometimes you just have to say that doesn't work. Yeah. That's not. Or you know it's going to fall. F- I yeah, could that's technically not... do it, but it's going to fall flat. Yeah. yeah. And I always like to use the example of years ago, Coors had a campaign around tax day and it was called National Vent Day because they had the big vent in mm-hmm. their beer. So they did all these things with radio where people would call and vent and they wanted you on Spanish radio. And I said, you know, here's the thing. It's not that Latinos don't complain, okay, but it's not our nature to vent. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we should do something else. So I think it's mainly having a conversation and being involved, you know, giving it more than just like an afterthought is the biggest thing I can say. It's like, 
listen, this is what my client is trying to do. The agency is to say they want to grow their market share. They want to do this. Mm -hmm. This is what the result that they're looking for. And for the agency to explain to their media partner, whether it's radio or whatever, what is that KPI the client's going to measure? Is it phone calls? Is it foot traffic? Is it both? Is it website hits? Is it this? Is it that? What are they looking for? Mm -hmm. It's really communication. But the biggest thing is, it comes back to what I said, is caring about the client. Okay. All right. We're talking about All In. You're not only a marketing executive and senior VP, but you're a mom and a wife. And a grandma. And a grandma. Oh, yeah. And a I grandma. learned that too. That's, okay. How old are your grand? How many grandchildren? I have two twin grandsons. They're nine. They're going to be 10 in November. Oh, November yes. what? My birthday's November. 14th. <gasps> Mine's 13th. Oh, okay. well, okay. okay. <laughs> um, I always ask everybody, what does having the whole damn pie mean to you? I knew you were going to ask me this question, mm-hmm. and I hear everybody answer it differently. I would say the whole damn pie means to me leaving nothing desired. What do I mean by that? If you have an opportunity to do it, do it. It's do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was talking on the plane with Lily as we were coming down. And I said, I'm planning, God willing, I'm going to go to Europe next year. I haven't gone. And I'm going to go celebrate my 40th wedding anniversary. And I go, but I will only have been married 39 years. And I said, <laughs> I'm going to do the, my 40th because I don't know if I'm going to make it to 40. I'm just saying, like, I have yeah. an opportunity to do it. It's that if I have an opportunity to do something and I can, I can afford it or mm-hmm. it's in front of me, it's being able to have those experiences. Yeah. I think that's to me. Yeah. Once I went to a class and they asked you to write basically your obituary. Uh huh. My last line was, she lived life fully, she left nothing. And that's your whole damn pie. Yeah. I love that. Well, they say you can't score if you don't shoot, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Where can people find you? They want to connect with you. Where can they find you online? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn uh-huh. under Angie Valderas. Actually, my government name is Angelica. There's a whole other story about that. Okay. But, <laughs> so, well, I went. I was in school in first grade. My teacher could not say Angelica. She'd say, what's your name? And I say, Angelica. And she says, what's your name? Angelica. And she goes, you know what? You're going to be Angie. And so my professional okay. name is Angie. Everybody knows me as Angelica, but it's Angelica Angie Valderas on LinkedIn or on my Twitter is Angie Valderas. And oh. you can also find me on Facebook as well. And what about your company? Introvision Communications. We're a diversified media company. We have TV and radio in 28 markets in the United States and half a dozen digital companies throughout the world. So you can do introvision.com. That is badass. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I've learned so much from you. Good energy. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Thank you so much to Angie Valderas, Senior Vice President of Introvision Communications, who came all the way from Sacramento to chat with me today in Seattle for the whole damn pie. 